podcast contains subject matter that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Four imprints, one. One It's time to open the door in your mind. Sit back and listen to true horror. But be careful what you allow in. Because it's time to go through the fog. Today's story is My Girlfriend Talks in Her Sleep, Part 4. Posted by user Irvin Lerpton to r slash scary stories. Slime tendrils seek blind escape from air holes on the side of my travel carrier, as I explained to the priest not to swallow any of the black liquid. I think there may not be much hope for him now that my cat's tail has penetrated deep into his throat, but we can discuss this later. My train of thought is interrupted by the sobbing harassment of a girlfriend possessed in the bedroom. You don't love me. You never loved me. The doorknob shakes with dreadful force, tremors ringing through the hallways. Fingers emerge at the bottom of the door, viscous oil dripping from under splotched fingernails. Open this door or I kill the girl. Fingers vanish. A pause. Breaking glass from inside the room. Is it planning to jump out of the window? Surely it's bluffing. We're on the third floor. Like any parasitic creature, it wouldn't gravely harm its precious host. There is a renewed sense of urgency at this threat, but I'm at a loss. We poured holy water down the cat's throat, but its body has already turned into an abomination I can only describe as the alien from the thing. I wonder to myself if one of those squirming legs is gonna detach, sprout a blinking eyeball, and hide an event. I feel helpless. I can't stay up all night misting my girlfriend like she's a damn pet chameleon for the rest of my life. Still out of breath, being choked by my cat, Priest manages to wheeze. We need to open the door. What will we do? Water stops her, but only for a minute. It's too dangerous to perform the rites while she's in this form. We'll get her in the shower and then restrain her. This is a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? Feeling a touch more brave as the priest increasingly proves herself as an asset, I begin to remove the chair. Thank you, baby. Why'd you lock me in here? I've been so scared. My subconscious will forever be unwilling to separate the pleas of a demonic beast from the genuine pleas of my loving girlfriend. I hesitate, but with effort, manage to shrug off the false appeal for normalcy. Chair in hand, I take a step back from the door. For a single beat, there's silence. The latch clicks. She is opening the door. Shining black, slicked hair emerges, covering her face in totality through the crack in the door. She seems to have gained several inches in height as her full form comes into view. Then a single ringed yellow eye reveals itself through her long hair. I search in that eye for some sign that she's still in there. Somewhere. Anywhere. She's wielding a broken shard of glass and holding it to her own wrist. There is no time for protest before the priest has already sprayed her down. Her frenzied dodge is thwarted as a second jet of water dampens the pajamas my mother brought her for Christmas. I will never forget the powerlessness I felt in the next few moments. 
With only a few seconds left to control, the demon cuts my girlfriend's hand cruelly at the wrist with the shard of glass. That not being enough, she gnaws the rest off with her mouth. Completely dismembered, her hand splashes to the ground in a grotesque murky puddle of blood and oil. Stunned, I witness a transformation of the human body before me. Her body shakes globally and erratically on the ground as her skin regains its color. I remember a classmate from school who had seizures and that we needed to protect the head. But I am incapacitated. The priest doesn't take time to emotionally reckon the fact that my girlfriend just lost her non-dominant hand. He scoops her up, rushes her to the shower, and turns on the water. A mixture of shell shock and a concussion leave me standing idle while I stare in slow motion from the severed fist to the shower, back to the bedroom. The beast has proficiently turned our bedroom into some kind of nest. The walls, windows, and ceiling are painted black as night paste with the consistency of spoiled milk. Dripping from the ceiling fan onto the bed, our furniture is unrecognizable in the spiderweb of fluid coating the room. The priest is washing his hands in the bathroom sink. He comes and stands before me, shaking me at the shoulders, evidently having been demanding things of me for the last few seconds. Anybody home? We need to act. I need your help now. I come back to reality. The priest, now gritting his teeth and manic at my seeming inability to cope with the fact that life will never go back to normal. Do you have any rope? Or handcuffs? Anything to restrain her with? I have some bungee cords down in my car. I'll, I'll, I'll go get them. I sprint to the stairs and bellow down them three at a time. Grabbing the keys off the hook, I run to the car, locate the bungee cords in the trunk, and rush back upstairs. Priest has torn apart our medical cap, looking to apply first aid to my girlfriend's arm and is applying pressure as I approach. I frantically tie a single bungee cord as a makeshift tourniquet to slow down the bleeding. We carry her lifeless body to the bed and restrain her to the frame. Both legs and one arm. Her head hangs limp. I wonder how long it'll be before she turns back into that monster, but then she wakes up. She looks at me totally disoriented and then cries desperately as pain sets in. It's okay, baby. It's okay. I know this is bad. Believe me, we are working on it. There's a lump in my throat as I sit down on the bed, repeatedly kissing her on the forehead, attempting to assuage the impossible. She is in so much pain. I almost want the monster to take back control so she can't feel it anymore. Mercifully, she faints. Eyes still open. I point her chin up towards me and watch as that hollowness returns, from brown to yellow. Her pupils go opaque in their descent into madness once again. Tears and blood still on her face. She smiles. It's over. You have failed. Amen. That too familiar voice reverberates through a sinister grin. How is this winning in the eyes of this creature? It is restrained more so than before. It knows something we don't. Something moves in my peripheral. It's my girlfriend's severed hand. Fingers paddling across the floor like a spider. A trail of sludge follows as it reaches its destination, the spray bottle. It senses that we have seen it, its form turning to look at us with no ability to see. The hand leaps, tackling the spray bottle and tumbling awkwardly down the stairs. I am speechless. We have to go after her. We can't let it get outside of the house. Violent thrashing from the bedroom. The priest. The knots are holding. You go after the hand. I will perform the rites. Running down the stairs, I hear the distant murmurings of the ritual. Lord above, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. It's just a hand. It couldn't have gone far. 
It could have let the cat out. It could be worse. I turn on the lights as I go. It's on the first floor. I tiptoe over black slime, extra cautious so as not to get any on me. I'm reminded of the time my pet snake escaped and my girlfriend and I spent an entire afternoon looking for it. But looking for a snake isn't like looking for a cat. Cats can go underneath and above objects. Snakes can get inside of objects. A hand could be anywhere. In between the couch cushions, inside the laundry machines, it could already be outside. I have it cornered, behind the refrigerator. I act like I haven't noticed the trail of slime leading right there and walk casually as possible to the cabinet to fill a glass of water. My weapon is at the ready. I walk to the side of the refrigerator and peek behind it. Nothing. Suddenly, a prolonged silhouette covers the kitchen light, pouncing like an insect. The hand leaps from the top of the refrigerator, the perfect height to land right on my face. The hand, still wearing my girlfriend's class ring, attaches to my head, pulling my hair until it clenches a vice grip with a thumb behind my top layer of teeth, pressing pointer and ring finger into each eye socket. <laughs> I drop my glass on the ground, takes both hands to remove the hand from my face and throw it as hard as I can against the wall. My vision blurred, I pick up my girlfriend's disoriented hand from the ground and run water over it in the sink. Splash water in my face and wash out my mouth as best I can. Harried, I fill a cooler with ice and water and throw the hand inside. I run back upstairs, hoping, maybe, praying, that the priest did his job. It's silent, except for the demonic mules of the cat in the other room. The priest is hulking over my girlfriend, muttering something under his breath as he cradles the Bible in one hand and his fingers point in all directions in the other. Noticing me, he hurriedly shuts his Bible. But seeing one of the pages, I note that it is in fact not a Bible at all. Inside are what I can only imagine demonic scrawls and symbols would look like. But the priest has done his job, he says. The demon has left her. Carefully placing my girlfriend in the back seat, I yell back to the priest, I'll pay him when we get back. Putting on my seatbelt, I look out the window and note a tattoo on his arm, similar to a symbol I saw in the false Bible. Driving to the hospital like a husband would if his wife had gone into labor, I wonder if you can surgically attach a hand like you can a finger. Then I wonder if the hand even should be reattached. Do I need to ask the priest to perform pious rituals to just a hand? Through the Fog was recorded by Haptic. Edited by Brad LeBaron, Haptic, and Kevin Caravan. Produced by Flyover State Park. All stories are recorded either with the author's permission or with a Creative Commons share-like license. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find links to Haptic and Flyover at State Park's link trees down in the show notes. There you can find links to our podcast on other platforms, as well as Twitter and other social media and YouTube links. Redistribution or sale of this podcast is strictly prohibited without the express written consent of both Haptic and the story authors. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. This is Flyover State Park. You are clear to land.